Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discuss rugby in schools after researchers say it should be banned for under-18s and is a form of child abuse. We speak to Eric Anderson, Professor of Sport, Health and Social Sciences at the University of Winchester. And a great night of British boxing saw Josh Boazzi beat Dan Aziz on points in their WBA light heavyweight eliminator at Wembley Arena. Joshua Boazzi joined us live in studio. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Academics have concluded, we're told, that rugby in schools has become a form of child abuse and should be banned amongst under-18s. Researchers are telling us that children should no longer participate in rugby or boxing and that parents do not understand the long-term risk of brain injuries. Sports organisations, they claim, are in effect grooming adults to ignore the consequences. So where are we going with this? Rugby in schools, rugby today in schools, is it really a form of child abuse? The Professor of Sport, Health and Social Sciences at the University of Winchester is Eric Anderson. Eric, good morning. Good morning. Let me correct you real quick. We say that they're grooming children to be professional players. They're not grooming adults. And we have no issues with adult rugby. Adults can make informed decisions about their health and their consequences. They have their own issues with 300 players suing the Rugby Football Union and World Rugby for brain damage. Our focus is on the kids. Right. But, uh, one other aspect of this, one other headline, if you like, uh, out of it, uh, Professor Anderson, is that you've concluded that rugby in schools has become a form of child abuse and it should be banned. Uh, do you stand by that? Oh, God, yes, of course we do, because there's demonstrable injury as a result of intentional tackles that happen in a sport that has a foundational part of it, two brains moving either one into another or both into each other. There's a rapid deacceleration. The brain continues to move forward inside the skull, bounces around the skull, causes all sorts of neurological damage. There are both long-term and short-term consequences of this. Let me put this into perspective for you, all right? So we know that having one major concussion can lead to higher rates of suicidality, higher rates of depression, mental health issues, reliance upon the state for income, earlier death, and incarceration from just one. Then the other side of this picture is one doesn't need to have a serious concussion 
in order to suffer as a result of the repetitive head injuries that become part of everyday tackling. That leads to a disease known as CTE, not in 100% of people, just like smoking. For some reason, some people are more immune to it than others. But that disease, CTE, is the reason 300 professional players are suing. It's the reason the NFL has put out $1.2 billion in payments to former players. And we are now finding CTE in the brains of children, of 17-year-olds. Now, think about this. CTE is a form of dementia. We are finding dementia in adolescence, and we only find it in team sport, high-impact collision athletes. But kid, that, the, the kids themselves, though, Professor, will say they love playing rugby. They, they want yeah, to play and, rugby. They enjoy playing rugby, and they'll continue to play rugby. Do you not accept it? Well, kids also enjoy sex. Do you think children under the age of 16 should be able to consent to that? No, but come on. My point truly... No coming on. That's a totally different story altogether. I mean, I played rugby at school. I played rugby at school in Scotland. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Got injured now and again, but thoroughly enjoyed it. What Didn't play at any great level, but I wasn't bad, but I loved it. And no doubt, my view there is shared, I would have thought, by almost every child and every kid across the UK listening to this. They don't think of the consequences. Only every now and again is there a consequence that 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 we would we would have hoped was avoidable. I I, I played uh, in, a, in a school whereby a poor fellow broke his back uh playing in in a game of rugby. And I didn't play in the game but but he did and he broke his back. And that's the only incidence I can remember of anyone falling foul of the rough and tumble of rugby at that level. Well, Joe, your memory is faulty, and let me explain to you. Let me also add that you said yourself that children were unable to consent to understanding the long-term damage that they can cause. You said that yourself, and that's exactly what we're saying, is that children are not able to consent to violence in other forms in this country. They're not able to consent to have sex. They're not able to consent to buy alcohol or to smoke tobacco. They're not even able to consent to do the most dangerous thing, voting. And because they can't consent to any of that, why do you think they can consent to a very high risk activity in the name of health? Now, how high risk is it? Just yesterday, the Rugby Football Union's researchers came out with research to show this. 86% of injuries occur in the tackle. And the number one form of injury, 52%, concussion. This is the Rugby Football Union's own research. So whatever you think you saw as a child is not what academic research bears out. Worse than that, children have higher rates of concussion in rugby than do professional players. So there's been a... Just, there's been a so what, what are you advocating for, Eric? Because obviously there's a sport here. And there's a sport in America where the NFL have reacted to concussion protocols and adjusted their perspective, and previously they hadn't done, and that's why perhaps there's been so many cases brought against them. There's also been in, in, in England reactions from the way that the governing bodies have not dealt with the issue and tried to avoid it as an industrial industry because then it starts being in class actions against them. By you suggesting, and I, I, don't think, I don't think the evidence that you're providing can be denied. If it's there, it's there, right? But what you're suggesting, it would appear, is that kids can't box 
and or and can't right. and can't play rugby under the age of 18 right. so then what you're doing is you're effectively shutting those sports down mm. because you're not nope. going well, go to tell me what nope. t- tell me what tell me what you're doing what, what you're advocating for them so touch rugby will help fight the obesity epidemic better it's a more inclusive version of the game with far less injuries so we're not saying we don't want kids in sports we kids need to be out there exercising there's no question about that the rugby football union is seeing touch growing dramatically and they're seeing tackle dropping dramatically so the future is very clear parents are making up their mind on this issue and lawsuits aren't going to help right but the question is will the sport survive with with our precautions in place of children not tackling until 18. yeah and our answer is even that asking that very question is to privilege rugby as a sport over children's brains. It is up to rugby to figure out how to train 18-year-olds how to tackle properly if they want to maintain a professional league. That is their issue. Let's favor children's brains over professional rugby. Okay. In, in the instance of rugby, I, I, I can understand that and I can accept certain parts of what you're saying. In the instance of boxing, how are you going to square that circle? Because you can't do touch boxing, can you? Well, you can. Yes, you can. There is shadow boxing. There's touch boxing. There's also boxing below the head. But I want you to think about this for a moment. If I were to strike a child in the head, that's child abuse, right? But if I put a child in a ring with a trained fighter and have that child receive numerous blows to the head and then traumatic brain injury in the ultimate form of victory in boxing, a knockout, which causes lifelong issues, that's sport. No. They're both child abuse. If boxing suffers as a result of this, I don't care about boxing. Try Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Try all sorts of other martial arts that protect the head. But Professor Anderson, if a kid at the age of 15 wants to play rugby at school and has the full consent of his parents and is pretty good in it, you're going to deny that kid that chance? Jim, would you deny that same 15-year-old who has consent of his parents to have sex? I, that you can't you you can't keep yes, you can, on trying Jim. to make that example compared yeah, no, to this one can. I'm making because both issues concern whether a child has the ability to cognitively un- cognitively understand risk. The reason we say children can't have sex before the age of 16 is because we believe that they don't have the ability to understand long-term risks and consequences, and they might be emotionally damaged. And after the age the of 16, they can. And after 16, they can't. So if Jim, if you want to make an argument that from 16, they should be able to tackle, you have a good argument there. But if you're going for under 16s, you can't separate the willingness to take brain trauma and not understand that consequences versus sex, smoking, voting, dropping out of school, joining the military, taking out a loan, driving a car, and all the other things we prohibit children from doing in order to protect children. And all of the other things we prevent children's parents from being able to act on, which could harm that child. I'm looking, so at, mes- answer- I'm looking at many messages coming in, uh, Professor Anderson. There's one from Jeremy. I, I played rugby since I was 10, and I've had my fair share of concussions, but I'm tired of people like this fella, that must be you, who don't play the game, trying to rip it away from the people who do. How on earth are people supposed to practice safe tackling if you can't do it until you get to the age of 18? This just shows how absolutely uninformed that caller is. Safe tackling in South Africa, children tackle at the sternum. In England, they tackle below the waist. In England, the professionals tackle higher. 
children tackle lower, there is no way to mitigate a tackle to make it safe. It's beyond the laws of physics. You cannot stop a brain in motion without damaging that brain. It's physically impossible. Scrum caps won't work, obviously. They can make the situation worse. The only thing you can do to mitigate the brain trauma is to stop the rapid deacceleration. And the only way to do that is to remove the tackle. So your caller loves rugby. I understand that. Hmm. I understand. But he doesn't understand the science. You see, this is John. Here's another one. I was born and bred in New Zealand. I was playing full contact, barefoot rugby at the age of six until I was 18. I'm absolutely fine. I don't suffer from any anxiety or depression or anything like that. This world has gone to pot with its cancel culture. Let people enjoy doing things they want to do. He's got a point, John. Has he, has he not, Professor Anderson? It should be about choice. He's taken a choice. He's done it since he was a, a young child and has absolutely no scars to show for it. Well... A, he says he has no scars. B, we have no idea what his brain looks like. And we don't know how old he is because CTE hits hard and it hits, it hurts, it starts to hit people sometimes as teenagers, sometimes in their 30s. Stephen Thompson, right? He's one of your heroes, is he not? Of course, World Cup winner. Well, do you not feel bad for the guy who can't remember his children's names? Of course I do. But I mean, he, I, I think he would, he would, he would concede that his big, his big problems happened when he played rugby at an extremely high level. And he, was playing, and he was playing against big men as big as him who were hitting hard and the collisions were huge. Hey, Jim, what you should do is you should talk to the mothers of children who have committed suicide after concussion the way I have, the wives, the children of deceased players. You should talk to them to see about whether this is considered child abuse or not and whether children should have the ability to consent to something they can't possibly understand. Where do, Look, where do, where do you stand on the Again, NFL? Where do you stand on the NFL? Where, where, where's the NFL and all of this then? Well, the research has come from the NFL to begin with. That's where this all started. So California, the entire state of California has a proposition to ban children from playing tackle American football right now. Now, I don't know if it'll pass, but it is at the legislative body to ban all children in the entire state of California. And you back, so, that, call, and you back that call? Of course, yeah. absolutely. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. I think I think what you're not able to do here, Jim, is you're not able to put into the same box that children are protected from many other harms, but you don't want them protected from this harm. And you're using child choice as the measure. But we agree that children do not have the right to consent to any of these other ideas. And I just can't see how you fail to put children in the same boat when it comes to brain trauma that lasts a life. Let me tell you, it's not just me. Many people listening this morning are somewhat baffled by your approach in it because they think your approach is extreme, Professor. Um, there's one, Tony's a Chelsea fan. I'm, 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 listening to, I'm listening to this guy who's on with you and Simon. If So if I put a child in a car, is that child abuse? The risk if is there. Intent, an unfortunate accident, nothing to do with I'll a child. If you're, so that's an accident. Rugby is not an accident. It's an intentional structure of the game for children to collide. If you put a child in a car and you intentionally ram your car into a wall at 15 or 30 or 20 miles per hour, then yes, you've committed an intentional act of child abuse. We are not calling accidents child abuse. But when two kids tackle or get hit in the head in, in combat sports, that is not accidental. It is an intentional part of the game.
I would agree with you if, if every child who played rugby at school or wherever went on to suffer dementia in later life. But that's very much not the case. Well, not every child dies from smoking either. Do you, do you believe that 15-year-olds who want to smoke ought to be able to smoke? They don't all die from it. Only 50% die from it. Do you believe they have the right to choose that? They've got the choice to smoke or not, haven't they? Do you think 12-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 6-year-olds who are tackling in rugby ought to also be able to choose to smoke cigarettes? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. So high-impact sports should be considered abusive to children's brains. That's what they're saying. Many of you calling in on this. 03717 Ian, good morning. Where do you stand on what the professor was saying? Hi, Jim. Hi, Simon. Um, Hi. I was... I played rugby all my life. I was uh, in boarding school where it was uh, a subject you had to do, but I loved it and I wouldn't change anything. I played rugby first class, second class in Wales, but then I was diagnosed with Parkinson's nine years ago. Now, that may or may not be related. I had various concussions over the years, but to be honest, I wouldn't change a thing. I got friends for life, memories for life, uh, told the world through the game. I was in the Air Force, so we saw a lot of the, the world through playing rugby and touring. And I'm just ringing up to say that rugby has been the main, the main part of my life, and I wouldn't change a thing. You wouldn't change a thing. Ian, thank you for the call. What about Susie? Susie, good morning. What would you like to share with us? Good morning. Well, my son, J. Rose Jenkins, was catastrophically brain injured playing rugby at school uh, nearly 15 years ago now. Um, he had a 1% chance of living for the first four weeks, and then the battle still carries on with him. He's slowly improving, but very slowly. What I'd like to say is that from the age of 14, he was encouraged to go to the gym and get stronger and fitter. So the game has got stronger, faster, 
and the players are fitter than they were years ago. But the brain, unfortunately, is not stronger or able to cope with more impact or stress because the brain just rattles around inside the skull every time there's impact. So, so d- Susie, second impact brain syndrome, along with Ben Robinson, who died two years after my son got that catastrophic injury, after the RFU had told me that they were going to put measures in place to make sure no other children had it happen to them. So, as is with cigarettes, um, that was stopped being advertised. I do think that rugby should stop being advertised, showing children to play an adult game, because it's like inciting children to play the sport sport when it is dangerous and, and you think Susie that the, the onus is on the authorities to make it much more clear about the dangers involved yes absolutely absolutely my son's still there struggling with a catastrophic brain injury from playing a sport that he loved and he wasn't protected from second impact syndrome and, what, and can, can you tell me again what age he was Susie when he, he suffered this injury he was um, just 16. He was about to... He had actually hung up his boots because the game should have been played in the November time, October, November. But there was a, some problem with the pitch. And so the game wasn't played until the March 2009. He'd hung up his boots of rugby because he did play for Dorset and Wilts as well. But um, he was doing his GCSEs and bless him, he got 11 A stars in his mock GCSEs. He was doing really well academically as well as in sport because he was the captain of the team. Susie, can I ask you a, a slightly difficult question? If you were, if the intelligence that now is becoming more available to parents and to people participating in sports was available to you about the risks and the specific um, percentages of children that are suffering from concussion, would you have stopped your son from playing rugby? And what would your son's reaction would have been to that? Oh, absolutely. If I'd have known the... Um risks involved uh, because the, the uh, they do say now I've, I've, I know that there's reports that a, a, a person under 18's brain hasn't even fully developed so it's even more vulnerable to impacts um, so yes I, if I knew and, and everyone I know they don't let their children play rugby Susie, thank you very much indeed uh, for opening up to us there and um, we send our best to your son. Here's Tim. Tim, you, you heard uh, Professor Anderson. What do you want to say? Yeah, um, so I, I live in Ireland. I, I actually coach um, mini rugby, which is P5 age. Um, my son plays on the team and I played rugby years ago as well. So I'm sort of in a, a bit of a, a difficult position where I love the sport and I love that he's involved in it and as part of a team. Um, I encourage the kids, you know, I think it's good to develop resilience and one of my major frustrations is when kids, you know, get hurt and they're, they're sort of rolling around like they've been shot and I encourage them to get up and keep going. But at the same time, I heard the professor on, I thought he was excellent. Um, I thought the facts he put across were really clear and as Simon sort of alluded to, when the facts are presented to you, you can't just ignore them because mm. it doesn't suit your your own opinion or the things you want to hear. You know, one thing the professor didn't talk to, so I work for a, a charity called the Naked Truth Project, and it, we actually sort of talk about the talk about the harms of pornography, and one of the major things is talking with adolescents, and, you know, 
we do work in schools and we deliver lessons and we talk about how harmful pornography can be. But one of the things really is, I suppose the reason I mentioned that is because the adolescent brain isn't fully developed to even understand, you know, the, your prefrontal cortex is like the breaking mechanism for, for your, your brain and not the part of your brain which tells you that this is, this is harmful or this isn't good for you and, you know, to stop doing it. That's why kids aren't yeah. able to yeah. make those decisions themselves because they don't understand the, sure. the harms sure. and the impact it can have on their life. And that's why we have these pieces of legislation to say that they can't chew you until later in life. I see, Tim. Not- so, Tim, do you conclude what Professor Anderson has concluded, that rugby in schools has become a form of, uh, of child abuse and should be banned amongst under-18s? I think what you said earlier was probably true as well. That words like abuse and grooming are maybe that that's stirring up a lot of emotion and are very strong words. But I think I definitely think it's it's food for thought for me. And I, I'm sort of to be honest, this was something I've been thinking about even prior to this. Do I feel comfortable encouraging my son to take part in the sport where there's more and more evidence coming out to show that it can cause injury? And and what the professor was saying about concussion was really interesting. I hadn't really heard that before, but the idea that concussion can lead to depression and, and suicide and, and all those sorts of things. It's, it's quite scary. And, yeah, um, it, it was indeed, uh, and it was quite revealing. Okay, Tim, listen, yeah. many points here. We wanted to thank you for the time you've taken and for making your points to us uh, there. Um, certainly, it, it has got you talking this morning of that, there is no doubt. Professor Eric Anderson, Professor of Sport, Health and Social Science at the University of Winchester, who's concluded that rugby in schools has become a form of child abuse and should be banned amongst under-18s. Many of you out there are saying, after hearing him, he's got a point. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Two judges scored at 116-110 and the other 117-109 to the man who's sitting in studio with Simon and myself this lunchtime, Josh Boazzi. Good afternoon. Afternoon, man. How you doing? We're good, uh, Josh. Uh, are you somewhat relieved it's over now? Because Dan Aziz is your pal. Yeah, man. It's been going on for, I think, since August. So maybe like five months. So it's, it's nice to finally put that to bed. Um, mixed emotions because I'm very happy I came out on top that I won the final eliminator but um, as I said in the ring I didn't want to take Dan's belts I just wanted to win and to campaign for the world um, title so mixed emotions and I do wish Dan was here it took two of us to make that fight if I fought someone boring that was running you guys first of all wouldn't have had me in and it would be a boring fight but Dan made it a very interesting fight you were there, Simon. Yeah. You, you, you were sitting with your pal Noel Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tired looking at him. I just wanted to concentrate <laughs> on you and Dan. Um, what did you make of this man's performance? 
Um, it was what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a very, very good British fight. I thought that they... The challenge for Josh and I felt for both Josh and Dan was this, irrespective of the professionalism that's required to go in and win this fight and there were obstacles in one another's way, they're also human beings that have an affection and a feeling for one another. And I felt at certain times, certainly in round 12, that that affection might have blighted Josh's ability to have taken Dan out. And that's not me being disrespectful to Dan. Listen, it was a great fight. It was it, Once it got going, it was a great fight. Nobody took a step back. There were levels in that fight. The better work, the quality of work, um, was Josh's all the way through. Um, both of them took some shots. Both of them took more shots than I think they probably would have liked to have yeah, took. took. But it was a really, really good fight. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be a, a good fight. And, and people that weren't paying attention to it uh, initially paid attention to it. You know, the auditorium was full. Sky's build-up was right about it. It was a great fight. It was a really, really good fight. Uh, Simon touched on something there, Josh. Yeah. Because he's your dear friend, and you were on top, and I watched it from start to finish, could you have put my way in the final round? And you chose not to. I wouldn't say I chose not to. Um, that was tough. I I watched the fight back but, and but some shots that hit him. Put my way because he's your mate. <laughs> did you hang off from doing that? Nah, I don't want to get that narrative out there. Honestly, yeah, if I could have, I would have taken him out just because for those twelve rounds, I knew what we had to do. But he was surviving. He he, he um, and I was also careful that I didn't want to walk into anything. Um, given that I thought, you know, I should, I should be ahead was, here. So. Was it what you expected, Josh? I mean, ultimately, in the lead-up to the fight, you didn't want... Everybody knew, and you too, whether you say it or you didn't, everybody knew that you were the favourite. Even the bookies were going four to one on, which is okay. a pretty much saying you're the favourite. You you come through in a certain way, and, and Dan tried to play the narrative to get the mind games going about you're the favourite, so he can build up some sort of head of yeah. steam behind him. But did the fight play out the way you thought it was going to play out? Because at times it turned into a slugfest, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, what was different was that I was saying to my mate that I sparred down so many times and I thought it would be the same, not yeah. as in how sparring was, but it was very strange when we walked into the middle and I thought, oh, blimey, there's no head guard, there's smaller gloves on, there's no one wearing a T-shirt, we're actually about to mix it up in front of everyone. Um, and from when the bell went, I said, it's got to be done tonight. I have to get him. But yeah, there were moments where I thought this is like sparring in terms of the intensity mm -hmm. and getting caught and hitting him back. But above everything, I just said, I've got to make sure I win. Yeah. Do you feel the pressure? I mean, the expectation on you was slightly different to Dan. Dan has come up a different way. He hasn't fought in the Olympics and done the things that you've done. He hasn't mm. had the big moves from matchroom to boxer with Sky yeah. being at the centre of it because you wanted to fight as Sky. Did you feel additional pressure? Did it, was it a weight on your shoulders saying, I've got, you know, every fight you go into, you've got to win. But this is a domestic fight. It's with a big rival. It's a gateway to the big time where you want to be. Did you feel that pressure going into the fight? i tell you the pressure that um, I considered was that if I'd lost this fight, there was nothing in place for me. So that's a lesson that I've learned, that going into this, I didn't cover my tracks in the sense of had it not have gone my way, there was no, oh, then we're going to do this with you, we're going to do that. So that was where I, why I said, Josh, you have to win. No matter yeah. how you feel, what's going on, make sure you win this fight. But what does what is, what is giving yourself an option look like in that instance? Because well, you might sit down with your team or those that are a bit in charge and say, yeah. if it doesn't go well for you, but see, you can fight that guy, then we'll yeah. put you back here and shuffle you and this and that. But 
that conversation wasn't there. So I said, no one's come up to me to have that conversation. So my tracks are not covered. So I have to win. That, mm -hmm. That's that's the pressure that I felt on me that I said, this is on you. You have to win. What did you think? I mean, I, I was critical of your last performances against Stepien and, and people talk about the difficulty of the opponent. And I felt that you weren't in your groove and it was a pedestrian fight. Right? And I thought if you fought the way you did against Stepien, you were going to have trouble with Dam. Yeah. Right? What did you make of your performance? Um... I think it's what I said in the ring. The opponent, that's why we have to thank Dan and I wish he was here because yeah. he brought that side out. He didn't do Stephen didn't come to engage so it made it very difficult but Dan came to engage and maybe people saw what they wanted to see. Two guys that wanted to win, that mm -hmm. wanted to engage and, you know, someone had to win. Yeah, so it, it was, I haven't spoken to my coach yet but he wasn't smiling the whole time so right. I'm sure there's bits he was happy with but bits that he says, Josh, we have but a lot of work think? to do. You, you're um, in there. My, myself, I think that um, it was it was okay. I got hit way more than I wanted mm. to. Yeah, but um, and and I got hit and mistakes that I made. I know that I wouldn't get away with at the level that I want to get. Because that was one of my yeah. takeaways, Josh. Yeah. my yeah. takeaway from this was this is a different level. Yeah, to go to Bivol. Yeah, and to go to Better Biev. Yeah, and my thought process was. This is a big jump now. Yeah. This jump from beating Dan Aziz and beating other fighters on the way that you've that you've done, that's given us this perception that you're going to be at the top of the tree. Yeah. It does feel like another huge jump that, now yeah, to yeah. go to Bivol and to Better Beef, which is why I think, I don't know what you think, a fight with Anthony Yard yeah. bridges that gap yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah, it's, what do you I, think, it's, more yeah, importantly? You know what, I think initially I wasn't entertaining it because I was like, well, if I've won the final lim eliminator, let me go straight away. Yeah. Um, the reality is that he's fighting um in June. Yeah, in June. So he's tied up to the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's if they do a rematch, as obviously yeah. they probably will. Mm -hmm. And then that means the that fight year. wouldn't happen yeah. until the first, the end of yeah. the first quarter of the year. So it's a long time to just hang yeah. about, which yeah. is what I'm not going to do. Yeah. So I'm definitely entertaining the yard fight. Of course, it has to be on better terms to suit me. I, I'm Huge the one fight. that just came off a final eliminator. So, yes. yeah, yes. The, yeah. The, the risk has to match the reward. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for Josh, it. Yeah. Was that canvas as slippery as it looked? Dan promise down a couple you. Of times. What, what was I going on? I promise you. I'm not sure what was wrong with it, but I promise you it was very, very slippery. And the thing is, um, even the, the knockdowns from watching it back, I don't think one of them was a knockdown. I'm not too sure which one because they're. They were both a bit. The first one, I think, questionable. Right? Yeah, yeah. The but second one was the first one was counted though, wasn't it? Mm. The second they were one, both the counted. Second, well, the first one was definitely counted by the referee. The second one, he went to the corner, didn't he? Because it was right at the end of the round. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so yeah. I didn't count it when I I hadn't scored either knockdown because I scored it 116, 112 because I wasn't sure okay, if the referee yeah, counted yeah. either one of them. And then Spencer said he'd counted both. That's why yeah, you got 116, yeah. 110, right? Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, but it it was as slippery as it looked. I promise you. Many people getting in touch. David in Birmingham is a big boxing fan. Afternoon, guys. Uh, Jim Simon, please pass it on. Huge congratulations to Josh Boazzi on his brilliant win. Thought it was a great fight, and he's a breath of fresh air. Uh, and it was a breath of fresh air to see the, the respect that exists between the two of them. And yeah. that was so good to, to see, as yeah, I said no, to you out there. Yeah, brilliant. I'm very glad to, to show that to everyone because, like Simon said, is as much as, yeah, we're professionals, we had to deal with a whole for me anyways i had to yeah. deal with someone i said this is my friend i like this guy yes but when we stood in that ring i said i have to do what i'll do to anyone else and it was unfortunate and i knew that 
he would try to do the same to me. No, so you're right. Absolutely. The minute the belt ended, yeah. it all yeah. the emotion. He's yeah, your it, pal. It, it all went. Like, he's my pal. Well. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Josh, you're, you're talking there with Simon during the break and you're thinking maybe Anthony Yard might be next because Bivol and uh, Biterbiev has now been agreed. If it comes to the bit that you've got to fight either Bivol or Biterbiev, I'm not sure which is the option you'd go for. Uh, where would you go on that one? I think it's whoever wins because I get to fight for all the belts. Mm. So it's not necessarily a preference. It's whoever walks away with it because they're going to have all the belts. But you rate and each as highly as the other. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I always say to people, we say Beterbi because his performance was much more recent, so it's fresher on the mind. Whereas Bivol boxed Linda maybe a month or two ago. Mm. So yeah. that one's not so much at the forefront of our minds, but it's whoever has the belts. Uh, I was watching it, Simon, on Saturday yep. night. You were there. And I know you've got your own take on this, so I'm not going to tell Josh what your take is in it. I'm going to put it to him first. Ben Whitaker, a wonderful talent. We're agreed on that. Very Fighting good. on the undercard. All this relentless showboating. What do you think of that? I mean, he won his fight and he won it well. That, that, that's what I was going to say. I, said, I was going to say the end result is, did you win? And if it's yes, then... If that's how you win, that's how you win. Not my style, but if that's how you win, that's how you win. Um, some people will like it, some people won't like it. But if if whatever you do makes you win, then do it. That's I mean, that's it, that's. Is it a good look, Josh? I mean, some people say he disrespects his opponent. I think in the ropes, you have twelve rounds to do anything you want to your opponent. Um, for me, the respect is there at the end of the fight. During the fight, I I'm not respecting anyone. You know, it's it's me all the way. Um, but you wouldn't do that, would you? Nah, because it's not my style. Yeah, I, I don't. I, what would you do if you were to receive? I mean, I, I would suggest I did Saturday night that he wouldn't do it when it, when it goes up the levels because he won't. He'll have other things on his mind. Yeah. But what would you do? And a lot of it's like Nazim, and people hated Nazim when he first did it, and then they yeah. realised that he could fight, and they gave him forbearance, yeah. and they thought it was part of the act. Yeah. But if it was done to you, if Ben stood in front of you and did a period, right? Uh, what would you do? What would what would be going through your mind as a fighter? As a fighter, I'd say, it. okay, he's doing this to me, so I have to embarrass him by yeah. knocking him out, by putting him down. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. But I think what you said is quite important. As you go up the levels, there's some fights where you can do it, but there's some fights where you won't get away with it. So because I think it's entertainment, I think it's charisma. Noah was saying to me and said it to, to, to Spencer on Saturday night. I don't think he, you know in this level of fight, I don't know why he needs to do that to the fighter, but. But I think he's got remarkable talent. But he's yeah. six fights into a career, and we're going to see. You know, he's got good grounding, he's got good breeding like Josh has, but the levels of opponents are going to eliminate some of that. And if he starts doing it at world level and gets away with it, then you're going to have to turn around and say, yeah. this kid's a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes, yes, I agree I think, with that. I think it's charisma. But- We've got to get the balance right between taking a mickey out of someone and charisma and style. And I'm all right with it. I'm 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 okay with it. Yeah, I, I used to get quite cross with Nazim, and I didn't like what he did to Steve Robinson in Cardiff when he oh, took I hated him. that. I hated it. I thought it was yeah. too much. Yes, but these are fighting men; they can take care of themselves. Yeah, uh, and your answer would be okay. I'll just put you in the seat of your pants if you yeah. do that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, somebody like that. Um, as you might imagine, Joshua Boatsy, big Crystal Palace fan. This man used to own the football club that you're a supporter of. There's James, there's John, there's a bunch of guys. Jim, ask Josh what he thinks of our beloved Crystal Palace. And of course, at the weekend, they were on the wrong side of a 4-1 result, and that was against Brighton. You don't want that. 
No. Um, where's your head with that? I know you'd other things in your mind at the weekend, Josh. What do you think of it? Um, I think Brighton is their rival team, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's something that they should have won, um, which they didn't get. But like you said, on the weekend, I was, you know, fixated on, yeah, He's fixated not on the fight that I had. Because he would like to have a stadium fight at Sellers Park. Absolutely. He took the words out so of So he's, he's going to yeah. want to get on with Steve Parrish. Yeah. That's what you want. Uh, so well, 100%. If, if, so if myself and... If I was gonna say if myself and whoever's at this level, but it has to be yard. Thinking about anyone in this country that we could fill out a stadium like that, I'd say it'd be yard. And if it could be at Crystal Palace, like um, Simon said, why not, man? Yeah, that'd be mm, crazy. Mm. Maybe by the time you get there, Roy might not be in charge because they've only won six in twenty-three games. You don't want to see Crystal Palace fourteenth, fifteenth at the moment. You want to see them further up that yeah, Premier the, League the, table, the upper end of the table for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Do you think it's time for Roy to go or is that asking you too much? I'm asking you way too much. I'm just being in mind that I'm asking a boxer with a great punch. Um, we'll give Richard React more to answer that question because he's another Palace fan. They can go together and answer the question. Yeah. He, he, he is indeed. Um, Josh, I'm, we're glad you're with us this lunchtime because earlier on the show this morning, we had a particularly outspoken uh, professor of sport, health and social science at the University of Winchester, Eric Anderson. And I know I'm springing this on you, you're on your way in here. But, it, but he says that he and others say children should no longer participate in rugby or boxing and that parents don't understand the long-term risk of brain injury. Mm. So rugby, boxing, when did you get into it? Mate, when did you first stand in front of someone else and had to trade blows? My, I was 15, yeah, late 15s. Um, Were you warned around that time about the dangers involved? Yeah, I was warned about it, which is why I said straight away, this can't be a hobby for me. It has to be something that's going to be serious. Um, but I'll say that the first thing we were told when I got into the Olympic team is boxing changes your lives. And I always say this story, I thought... How is me punching someone or getting punched in the head going to change my life? But boxing changes changes your life, but it also gives you the opportunities to change those around you's lives. Um, to set an example, to let people know that, look, you can be good at something and make something of yourself. So there's dangers with it, but there's dangers with everything. You cross the road, we're outside, you get on the tube. So many things could have happened. It's a difficult but, you question know, for you, Josh, because one. you're in the sport. But the, yeah. the, the guy said that kids below a certain age and the studies that are coming out in rugby and boxing specifically, and NFL, is that the damage to the brain is so significant, the risk is so significant. If you were five years ahead now, 10 years, 15 years ahead, you've packed up as a professional and your son wants to box, and yeah. you get this data to yeah. tell you that there's real risk, brain damage is a real issue, and that yeah. boxing as, a, as an art should, be, should not be involving any head uh, punching of under yeah. 16 years of age. Would you, put, would you encourage your kid to go in the ring? So good question, Simon. First of all, and, and I'll laugh here because I have to see that my son's a fighter before he's doing any of this. I have mm -hmm. to see that he can fight, he that he's got that dog in him. If he hasn't, it's a wrap. We're not doing it. But I also think that what you can do is the training bits of boxing, but not spa. You can learn the discipline. Yeah. You can learn yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Which is, still working hard when you're tired. But were yeah. you old enough at 15 to make up your own mind? That Jim, you wanted to fight. Jim, at 15, I was fighting for free on the streets of London. So now doing it in a place where I could fight and not get in trouble and actually aspire to be something and achieve something, that was more than okay for me. Yeah, for sure.
great. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.